Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Any more liberation? Any more liberation? Any more liberation? Whoa. Welcome to Freedom of Species, the animal advocacy show on 3CR. You just heard Out of the Pan with Sally Goldner, and you can tune in to Sally's show every Sunday at 12pm. It's Claire here today, and I wanted to acknowledge that I'm coming to you from Jajarong country in central Victoria. I want to pay respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to the First Nations people on whose lands you're listening in from today. So today I'm joined by two long-term Sea Shepherd volunteers, Del and Lucas. Del is the Melbourne Chapter Coordinator and they've both been volunteering with the organisation for around 10 years. Lucas actually proposed to Del in front of the Sea Shepherd ships and they have wedding photos. Del, did you want to talk about uh, your wedding photos? Yeah, so originally Lucas proposed to me in front of the Sam Simon. So he painted a big banner um, that said, would you marry me, Del? Um, and got the crew to hold it up as I walked down the dock, which ah. was absolutely lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was really, really special. And then a year later when we actually had our wedding, we had some of our photos on the Steve Irwin, and I actually climbed up to the heli deck um, in my heels and my dress, which is, you know, no mean feat. Um, and we had some, some of our wedding photos on, on the top of the Steve Irwin as well as in front of the ship as well. So pretty meaningful, pretty unique photos, I have to say. And a big part of your lives over the last decade. Absolutely. Yeah. So starting with one of our usual questions, I wondered if you could um, both tell me about your own vegan journeys. So part of my vegan journey is actually a big part of my Sea Shepherd journey. So I wasn't vegan at all when I first joined Sea Shepherd. I wasn't even vegetarian. I hadn't even really made the connection um, at all. So started volunteering for Sea Shepherd um, back in 2013 and, um, you know, even though it's not a vegan organisation, the ships are vegan and, you know, started sort of being exposed to vegan food and that sort of thing and started really thinking about it quite deeply and sort of making the connection about, you know, animals and that we're using animals for our own consumption. And ethically it didn't sort of sit right with me. So I sort of started cutting out things here and there, you know, went vegetarian first, then started sort of slowly going vegan and have now been vegan for nine years and would absolutely never look back. Um, not just for health and, you know, obviously the ethical reasons, but the environmental reasons to me, it just makes sense to be vegan. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very similar to my journey as well. I also wasn't vegan until I joined Sea Shepherd and what I learned through the organisation about the impacts of animal agriculture on the marine environment was incredibly motivating in terms of my own journey. Lucas? Well, for me, I guess... Some part of me had always felt like 
consuming animals was wrong, even from a young age, as soon as I sort of realized what meat was and things like that. But I just, I had tried vegetarianism once before when I was at uni, but it didn't really quite stick. I found it very hard because there was not a lot of information available. I didn't know where to find it. But yeah, joining up in Sea Shepherd and being around so many like-minded individual, individuals and being around the crew and the ships were all vegan and being exposed to the kind of food they were making and making that connection through marine conservation to how it affects every other parts of animal agriculture and environment and things like that. I just, I just couldn't no longer stomach it and really had to make the switch. And it made it really easy, you know, to be with Dell, who we both felt like so like-minded, even more than vegetarian, we always strove to cook vegan at home completely and um, for a lot of recipe books and really learned and educated ourselves that way. Yeah, travelling was always a bit of a hard one. But even, you know, now, like, you know, we've done a few overseas trips and stuff. It's really, you know, there's vegan food everywhere now if you know where to look for it. And we actually love exploring new places and finding vegan food wherever we go. And it's really not hard. And just how it's changed in perception, not even just, yeah, just not even just the availability, but perception globally is so such a huge thing. You know, it's amazing to see. Yeah, things have definitely shifted a lot. Um, I think the first time I tried to be vegetarian, I lived on like a diet of nachos because or and hot chips because there just really wasn't much available. But, yeah, having the motivation not only of the information that you're being presented with but then also being on the ships and, and being exposed to the food that the crew eats, I think, was really assisted me in my journey in terms of just being able to see how vegans lived in their everyday and, and ate in the everyday. So, yeah, I can really, really obviously have had a very similar journey to you. I mean, I've, I said at the in the introduction that you've both been involved for around 10 years, um, but I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about why you got involved with Sea Shepherd in the first place. Well, I've got to thank my mum for this one. So my mum back in the 70s uh, was a big supporter of Greenpeace and when Greenpeace and um, split from Sea Shepherd, so Paul Watson went to found Sea Shepherd, she started following Sea Shepherd and sort of followed them throughout her life and that sort of thing. So when... The ships were in Melbourne because often they dock here um, when they do their Antarctic campaigns because, you know, Melbourne being the closest sort of big dock base for us. Um, so she would go and go on the ships and that. So one day she invited me down. It was the school holidays and I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Okay, I'll go see it. Whatever, it's just a ship, you know, who cares really. I would kind of had a w- bit of a weird attitude about it. But then when I went on and met the crew and heard about the amazing stuff they were doing, I was like, gosh, I've got to sign up. How do I sign up? And just that was back in 2013 and they just come back from Operation Zero Tolerance, which was um, a very successful anti-whaling campaign for us. Also very, um, I was just thinking about today, the the footage of the San Laurel and the um, Nishimaru with the Bobak was jammed in the middle of it. Um, so it was a very dangerous campaign and hearing some of the crew talk about how scary it was for them and they were right in the middle of those two huge ships. And just hearing the fact that they were literally putting their lives on the line because they believed in the cause, they believed that they wanted to save and protect whales. That just really inspired me. So I put in my onshore volunteer application the next day um, and the rest is history. I started volunteering. Um, I went to a chapter meeting the next week, got to meet a lot of the other onshore volunteers. From there, started, you know, volunteering every weekend. We'd have our ships open for tours while they were here um, in dock in Williamstown. From there, sort of got a few roles in the chapter so I started off as volunteer coordinator so I'd process new volunteers and I started off as then I went to outreach coordinator so I'd you know 
be the one liaising with events and organising events for the chapter um, and then became the chapter coordinator back in 2016, which a role I've had since then and still have to this day and still absolutely love every minute of being in chapter coordinator and leading this wonderful chapter in Melbourne. Wow, you're almost eligible for long service leave. <laughs> I know. Well, I did. I did get a um. I did get a certificate this year for my ten year um anniversary, which was amazing. Um, it's pretty crazy to think it's been ten years, and just watching Sea Shepherd really grow in that time has just been really, you know, inspiring. And just seeing the amazing work we're still doing. Um, not many organisations you can really say have really lasted the the test of time and are still doing such crucial work, despite all the you know the hurdles that have been thrown with us with pandemics and that sort of thing so yeah and Lucas how did you first get involved so Del and I met at university actually we'd been friends for a long time but I guess um we can thank our relationship on Tony Abbott of all things because <laughs> of uh, the fact that he was elected you know <laughs> international listeners he was a deeply deeply conservative um politician who became opposition leader and then prime minister and I was someone who always felt really frustrated by politics. I knew that Del and I have kind of shared that sort of passion for, you know, more sort of left-leaning politics and that sort of thing. So it's actually through a conversation of the election of Tony Abbott that she mentioned that um, she was volunteering for Sea Shepherd and I should come down. And we started then seeing each other and dating. And originally I resisted joining Sea Shepherd altogether because I thought, oh, you know, that's her thing. I don't really, I didn't really know much about it. I'd always seen what they did on the news and things like that in terms of the Southern Ocean anti-welling campaigns. I thought it was amazing. I didn't know if volunteering was for me or anything like that, but I slowly started helping out and then eventually put my application in, you know, and then 10 years later, I'm, you know, still a volunteer, still still very passionate. And what for me, I guess it gives me such an outlet to talk to the public about things I care about, like the environment and about, you know, the devastating effects that, you know, poaching and, and overfishing and things like that have on, on the environment and onto the marine life and things like that. And I just found it's a perfect outlet to sort of quell that sort of anger and frustration that was before I'd just be throwing out into the void. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's something I'm really passionate about being able to talk to the public and, and also be around so many like-minded individuals. You've got that weird, like, trajectory that Tony Abbott's responsible for your volunteering and your relationship. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I guess it's sort of like you can sort of yell in the void or you can sort yeah. of, I saw like it was a wake-up call for me. It's like, you know, obviously for all its faults, the Gillard government, they, there was a real, you know, being a hung parliament, being a first situation that happened in Australia, seeing that sort of partnership with the Greens with the leader, under the leadership of Bob Brown, seeing like some actual strives towards environmental, mm. you know, changes and environmental policies and things like that. And to see that basically that it meant nothing and it was all going to be reversed straight away, realised that, well, well, electoralism, you know, wasn't the answer and yelling on Twitter wasn't the answer. So maybe I should actually put up and do something about it. And I guess that's sort of was my, my first dipping my toe into a whole new world, I guess, for me. Yeah, collective action and organisation, very important. Can you talk a little about how, what you think the links between Sea Shepherd and veganism are? I mean, Del, you mentioned that it's not a vegan organisation, but the ships are vegan, but certainly had a huge impact on all three of our lives in terms of our veganism. So what do you see the connections being? Well, we know that a huge percentage of bycatch is fed straight into animal cult- agriculture. 
that's a big link for us in terms of, you know, obviously Sea Shepherd is against, you know, overfishing and all that sort of stuff. It's one of our big sort of policies. Doing many tours over the course of my, you know, history with Sea Shepherd, the, the, the main thing we sort of drive home is why would we go out, spend all these months out at sea saving, you know, marine creatures and go and eat another? That just seems hypocritical and contradictory. So it makes absolute sense that Sea Shepherd ships would be vegan and I'm really proud of the fact that they are to this day. And like, as I said, you know, we're not a vegan organisation. You don't necessarily have to be a vegan to be part of the organisation at all. You don't have, a lot of the crew are not vegan. Obviously the expectation is when you're on the ships, you are vegan, but, you know, no one's ever questioned that because it makes absolute sense that we are there, you know, to save save marine life, protect marine life. So why would we be eating and killing other animals? It just makes no sense. And we're really lucky, you know, the food is, is absolutely amazing on the ships and, you know, the galley the galley chefs, they have a real hard task, you know, often being out at sea for three months with, you know, very limited supplies. They have to put on, you know, nutritious food that's going to keep the crew going and um, for all that time and they do such an ama- amazing work and, you know, when they're in dock and stuff, we rely heavily on donations and donated foods and the fact that they have to, you know, be really resourceful and make, you know, amazing food with sometimes you might get 70 pumpkins and like, 20 leaks and you've got to make you know, some amazing food with it, but they just, you know, they're able to. And, you know, it's just, it's, I just learned so much from being on there, like not even just about veganism, but also about being resourceful and not and minimizing waste and that sort of thing. So for me, it just makes absolute sense. There's been at least two Sea Shepherd cookbooks or cookbooks that have come out of the Sea Shepherd galleys. Is that right? Yeah, and we've also got um, YouTube videos as well. We've also, you know, partnered with quite a few famous chefs and stuff as well. You know, the ve- the vegan thing is really, really big part of you know what we sort of do. We have a lot of connections with the vegan community um, and that sort of thing. So, and you know. is, is it the case that most or all of your food at Sea Shepherd events is also vegan? Absolutely. So all our events are hundred percent vegan. Any kind of you know fundraiser we run whether it's a movie screening or our big fundraiser that we run each year. Even, even, bake like, sales. even all our bake sales are vegan. Oh, my God, our bake sales are amazing. <laughs> yeah. like, honestly, sales. <laughs> literally, you know, people, yeah, as I said, and people come to our bake sales and things like that and try try the food. People are not vegan or even vegetarian and they're just so amazed by what you can do nowadays. Like we've had French patisserie chefs on our ships, like literally making like the most amazing decadent pastries you can think of and it's all vegan. Like it's mm. there's literally nothing you know nothing you can miss out on now um and definitely our crew are very spoiled with with food even when they're out at sea for many months at a time yeah for sure and i think like another point is the fact that you know sea shepherd tends to have quite a high profile and i guess for a lot of people it's sort of their first time they've ever dipped their toe into activism so i guess the other connection I would say that Sea Shepherd has with veganism, the fact that it is that sort of awakening for a lot of individuals who volunteer or support Sea Shepherd, it's sort of the first time they sort of start thinking about, okay, well, I, I saw this on the news and I really got angry when this happened, but then I find more about the different campaigns they do and sort of draw that connection, like whether it be, you know, Antarctic defence campaign we just recently did about um, protecting, raising awareness around the krill, you know, the fact that we've got 500 tonnes of krill being pulled out of the Southern Ocean every year and a lot of it is going directly into salmon farming and that is just absolutely devastating. It's literally stealing food from whale populations and penguin po- populations and seal populations 
in the Southern Ocean is just like, there's a direct impact there of what happens in our oceans is also devastating the land. Mm. And I never realised till I joined Sea Shepherd about, you know, the fact that so much oxygen that we breathe actually comes from the oceans, that the oceans as well as the forests are really um, part of the lungs of the planet. And so we think, you know, treating the the oceans in the way that we do as, as this terrible dumping ground and a site of mass exploitation is it's all a feedback loop that's going to come back in really negative ways to impact humanity. Yeah, there's a really good quote, like Phil Wallen is a um, an amazing supporter of Sea Shepherd and a lot of other vegan and animal rights organisations. And he says, you know, when we suffer, we suffer as equals and in their capacity to suffer. A dog is a pig, is a bear, is a boy. And I think we forget animals are kind of out of sight, out of mind. And I'm not, you know, saying, I know a lot of people find it very confronting to watch a lot of the footage of abattoirs and stuff like that, but we need to realise, you know, that animals do suffer the same way as us. And I think when you make that connection is when you sort of start to think veganism makes a lot of sense. Yeah. At this point, we might throw to a tune. So the first tune we've got is the Smashing Pumpkins, um, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Del, do you want to say anything about why you chose this particular tune? For those who don't know, uh, Sea Shepherd used to be featured documentary called Wow Wars. And it's really, I really highly recommend watching it. You know, it's really good to learn about a lot of our old campaigns. So it was aired on Animal Planet and the theme song was um, Smashing Pumpkins, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. So Seems pretty fitting to have included that in this interview. Um, it's an amazing song, great message, and just reminds me of a lot of good times watching Wild Wars with the crew and the volunteers. Yeah, and I learned so much random um, maritime facts from Whale Wars as well, like what the different instruments on the ship do, and it's a great resource if, if people can find um, where to watch that. The world is a vampire.
still just a rat in a cage. Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. And someone will say what is lost can never be saved. Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a Topping up every now and then. Monty, Auntie. Thanks, Bob. Including your COVID protection. If you're an adult and it's been six months since you caught COVID or had a COVID jab, you can now top up with a free COVID 19 booster. It helps keep you and your mob protected from serious illness from COVID 19. So talk to your doctor or health worker about a free COVID 19 booster or visit health.gov.au forward slash top up to find out more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. The revolution in Rojava is a beacon of hope for the world, putting direct democracy and feminism into practice on a broad scale. This radical attempt at social transformation now faces huge challenges, including daily attacks by the Turkish military with little outside recognition or aid. Show your support for Rojava by joining North East Syria Solidarity, or NESS, and help ensure the survival of this inspiring experiment in social change. NESS sends aid, raises awareness, and builds solidarity. Get involved at www.nessolidarity.org.au. NESS is a 3CR supporter. And we're back again with Del and Lucas on Freedom of Species. Um, So the next question is, uh, can you talk about some of the things that you've done, some of the best things maybe that you've done uh, with Sea Shepherd in your time with the organisation? So, I mean, I've had a couple of opportunities to be um, on the ship. So obviously we, you know, we had our ships here over the weekends and we do tours and that sort of thing. So that was amazing. But I've actually had a couple of opportunities to go out to sea. Um, I haven't been on a campaign per se, but I've done a couple of transits. So the first one I did was back from um, the Great Australian Bight. So we did a uh, campaign there. We actually went there twice um, to um, sort of showcase what would happen if there was an oil rig installed in the Great Australian Bight, which is an amazing um, marine sanctuary for so many, so much diverse wildlife there. So I did the transit back from Adelaide, um, and that time I was I I was worked worked on the deck, which was really cool. And then I also did part of the transit to Sydney um, as part of the um, Stop Adani campaign. So we partnered with a whole bunch of organisations against the um, proposed Adani coal mine being installed in the Great Barrier Reef. So that was amazing, sailing into Darling Harbour on the Steve Irwin, um, and I was in the galley that time, which I absolutely loved. Learned so much and it was just amazing to be finally out at sea and, you know, having that experience of being out um, being out at sea and what it would be like 
um, you know, if, if, if I was out at sea for a long, long period of time like the crew do. So that was a really fun time of my life. Um, and some of the other things that I'm really sort of proud of is, so we used to do this thing, we still do, um, just in a different sort of format, the Ocean Defence Tour. So each year we'd run this huge fundraiser um, that would be across all of Australia and this fundraiser would be fundraising for our Antarctic campaigns, which would take place in the summer. So, you know, none of us, and I, you know, it's quite clear that I'm a volunteer. This is not my paid job and, you know, I'm a teacher. So, you know, have no no um, knowledge of how to put on events. This is literally foreign to me, but myself and my volunteers, we, we've managed to put on these, you know, huge events that, you know, to raise so much money, um, you know, have all these bands and all these people come in. Like one time we had, I think, about upwards of about 5,000 people come into the event, you know, all there for Sea Shepherd, you know, raise all this money, had all these inspiring guest talks and that sort of thing. So these huge events that literally, you know, people do this as a job, but we were just passionate enough that we're like, no, we just want to put on an event, raise some money for Sea Shepherd, spread some outreach and that sort of thing. So I was really quite proud of that, um, proud that I was able to do that. I'm proud that my volunteers also pitched in and were able to do that. And it was really, you know, big fundraiser, a really crucial part of our year. Um, so that's something I've been really proud of. Yeah, for the volunteers that those big ocean defense tours definitely felt like a grand final, like having to have, you know, up, upwards of like 60 volunteers on the day and things like that really, really just brings home the message. It's really fantastic. Um, I haven't had a chance myself to go out, go out on a ship. We did plan to do Operation Milagro, which is uh, the Sea Shepherd operations in Mexico, in the uh, the Gulf of California there. Um, unfortunately, the ship could not be prepared in time, so that didn't end up happening. Um but yeah, I guess like for me, it's just just the general stuff I love every day. Just talking to members of the public, like I said earlier, like that is for me such a, an amazing outlet and opportunity just to sort of have a sanity check when you think, think that there's so many bad things happening in the world. Just being able to re reach someone and and make a connection in that way for me is is everything. So really is. Um, Del, you've mentioned transiting and Lucas, you mentioned the missed opportunity of, of not being able to join um, Operation Milagro. Is is going on one of the ships something that you'd like to do in the future? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's going to be a little bit easy now that we've got um, our new ship, the LNK, which we'll go into a little bit later. Um, so hopefully we will get that opportunity soon and do some more campaigns, you know, closer to Australia. Yeah, I understand um the moment you know it's hard for both of us because you know i mean i'm a teacher and you know lucas is a web developer so we've got full-time jobs so that's why you know being an onshore volunteer is really good for us because we can you know um spend that time but you know there is it's definitely something we want to do like it's just you know finding um, the opportunity to do it find the opportunity you you have to give like a minimum time of sort of three months so finding that sort of three month time where we could actually do it would be yeah ideally we'd be able to do it um, and we're lucky, like, Sea Shepherd is really good, like, in terms of, you know, obviously we like people's skills and things, you know, if you've got engineering skills or, you know, cooking skills or, you know, uh, trade sort of skills, but, but they also do, you know, accept people who just have the passion and, you know, uh, want to get trained up and that sort of thing on the ship. So just because you're not, you know, never been on a ship before, never been out at sea before doesn't mean you don't get that opportunity. If you're really keen, um, put in an application because, you know, Sea Shepherd can make that happen. 
Yeah, and I could certainly hardly cook before I, I started doing volunteer shifts in the, in the galley when the ships were in port. So, yeah, it's definitely um, an organisation, I think, that really grows um, and fosters volunteer skills in, in a really um, fantastic way. Absolutely. Um, what's Sea Shepherd up to in Australia and globally at the moment? Big question. So we... We recently um, actually came came back from Antarctica, so we're not doing um, we're not doing the whaling campaigns anymore because Japanese whaling fleet haven't been down there. So what we've been focusing on is krill fishing. So krill fishing is in a completely legal industry. Um, however, we sent our brand new acquisition, the LNK, down um, to Antarctica, and we um, did some did some sort of looked at sort of what was going on down there. Um, and there's a lot of um, overfishing going on. A lot of the, they're getting a lot of their over, over legal quota. So things like krill are used in by pharmaceutical companies. So a lot of like vitamins and stuff has krill oil in it. Um, and that sort of thing. It's also heavily um, part of the salmon farming industry. So, you know, for people who sort of know how that is, it's a big part of that. Exactly. They get, they get these uh, krill when they're, you know, fresh and fat, so they're really bright and red. And obviously that's how you see those sort of red um, krill oil tablets in the pharmacy and things like that. But obviously they want to give that to salmon farms, uh, salmon and salmon farms and aquaculture in general because it gives it that, that that nice pink skin. That pink skin you see in salmon is actually not natural. It's, yeah, it's artificially given to to the fish via the krill that they're feeding them. Um one other thing that's really terrible terrible about the krill industry is the fact that the, the governing body that sort of um, manages the conservation side also sets the fishing quotas. So you've got one one side of the organisation is sort of like profiting off of the licences that they give these fishing companies, but is also then trying to regulate it. And there's no oversight happening here. You know, there's, there's only a few countries... Um, that partake in it, um, but they're, they're seeking to expand it. There's a um, next month. There's a big um, conference coming up with the, all the governing bodies and countries that participate, um, in which they're going to be talking about potentially increasing this quota. But really, it's like we're talking about I think something like in the order of 560 tons of krill per year. Mm-hmm. But like you're taking their their um you know, their word for it that they're, they're doing everything above board because there's no one going out there and checking. So we partnered with the Bob Brown Foundation on this campaign and um, we actually had a, a local volunteer from the Melbourne chapter actually take part of that campaign and give a talk. And just like seeing like this pristine areas of the of the island of South Georgia off, off of, um you know, Argentina, like in the Antarctic area, like absolutely pristine um, wilderness and then you just see in the middle of a harbour like just a krill ship that's just it's also a factory ship just just pumping out all the waste wastage which is you know the the, the parts that they don't want not the krill oil you know of these creatures you know and they're literally stealing from the mouths of whales and the seal populations and the penguin populations there it's like this needs to be protected like this this can't be happening you know if we've got industrial moving factories in pristine areas. It's crazy. I mean, it's devastating knowing that um, scientists and and other commentators have actually said that you can see in whale numbers the impact that the Sea Shepherd campaigns have had, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then to to know that this new, well, new-ish industry 
is now going down and stealing their food. Um, yeah, it's just devastating in that context. Yeah, so, I mean, we obviously wanted to highlight, you know, and document, you know, the crew fishing fleet, what's going on down there and, you know, raise attention and awareness about it. But also, like, just to stop, you know, aquafeed and aquaculture companies using it, you know, like in salmon farms and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's just um, I don't think a, a lot of people realise what's actually going on down there because Antarctica is, like, so out of sight, out of mind um, and not not patrolled at all. Like, if it wasn't for Sea Shepherd, no one would be down there sort of seeing what's it's going on. It's crazy with these pharmaceutical companies as well. They literally on their labels will say, like, this is wild krill, Antarctic krill, like it's some kind of selling points. Like, hang on, like, you're if, if you could just show people that footage of just, you know, a floating factory in pristine areas, like people are like, hang on, why am I getting this, you know, this Antarctic wild krill? Like, it's not like they're doing it without this impact, you know, it's just... I guess because it is out of sight, it's just really raising that awareness that yeah. really needs to happen. And are there other campaigns that Sea Shepherd's active in globally? Uh, so we've also got um, uh, Africa campaigns. Obviously, we've uh, we team up with countries like Liberia and uh, Satome and Principe. Um, other and others on the west coast of Africa where they don't necessarily have the resources. That they ha they have to sort of accurately patrol their their um their fishing areas. So most fishing happens um, in the economic regions of a country, and um, what we are doing in these campaigns is what we call IUU fishing, illegal, unregulated, unreported fishing. It's estimated up to forty percent of all fish caught worldwide is caught illegally or unregulated. Um, so they might have a fishing like license to to fish in a neighboring country. For tuna but then they'll cross the border in the middle of the night and fish over there instead so we we on these campaigns we've been doing since 2016 i believe um that we will have our, our doing our ships and our crews um they'll to provide the uh the authorities on board our vessels and we'll go out and patrol um those ships um patrol those areas for for poaching vessels and, and board vessels inspect their fishing holes inspect their fishing logs and make sure everything on board and there's something in the order of um over how many, so many, like, I don't even count this. I can't even keep up how many ships we've arrested through those campaigns. Um, yeah, and I remember reading about um, the ships involved in this IUU um, fishing as being sites of modern-day slavery that a lot of the people working on those ships um, have been essentially kidnapped um, from their ports of origin and are being kept mm -hmm. in horrific conditions. So... I mean, it's the same, I guess, with the on on land um, meat industry. That there's so much, so many human rights and and labour issues associated with these deeply exploitative industries that goes, you know, beyond the the meat products that they that they end up selling. It's also about how um, how and and the conditions in which uh, the workers. Uh, asked to subsist in these industries, which also needs highlighting. Exactly. It's the exploitation not only of the animals and the destruction of animals, but yeah, the exploitation of the humans as well. It's it's absolutely sad. Yeah, one of our most famous campaigns, um, Ice Fish, where we chased the, the notorious um, illegal fishing um, vessel, the Thunder, for 110 days, which was the longest sea chase in history. 
that was a huge um, example of human trafficking. Those people on that on that ship were actually um, being really exploited to the point where the captain ended up scuttling the vessel just to hide all the evidence of the human trafficking going on. He actually sunk it. Um, so it's really hard to know exactly what was sort of going on that ship because he all the evidence is now at the bottom of the ocean. But that was just a really you know huge example of you know human trafficking going on on you know these fishing vessels, which is just not being regulated. Yeah. And, and so I remember these, the crew of the Thunder were dropping notes overboard. Yeah. So for yeah. the, they're talking about the conditions in which they were being um, kept. Yeah. Sorry, Lucas, you were saying? Yeah, so, yeah, so these, uh, these, this, obviously these campaigns we're doing in Africa have, have created a real successful model. So much in, so, is, it, so much in fact, the fact that we've now signed agreement um, with the country of Tavuvu, which is in the South Pacific, and they also want us to come on board and help them with their issues of uh, illegal fishing in their regions. So this is a model now that we can take to other, countless other countries, um, which I think is important because the more, because this is not being covered by anyone. No one's, no one's, no one's really talking about this this exploitation and and destruction of environments. Like not only is the fact that it, you know there's a human aspect to this, but obviously you know, sometimes these vessels that might have a fishing license to fish for this, they're oftentimes just completely just doing shark finning or things like that. You know what I mean? So it's complete wastage, absolutely horrible destruction. But yeah, this model now can be transported to numerous other countries, which is really, really great. Really great to see that happening more closely to our region. And um, also Sea Shepherd uh, New Zealand has is, is recently purchased a new vessel and they're going to be um, doing launching a new uh, campaign. Um, Maui Defence campaign. For Maui Defence, which is, I think, they believe, I believe that's the, uh, the porpoise that's very local to their, their waters, which is mm -hmm. critically endangered as well. So it's very, very important. Fantastic. All right, well, we might jump to our second tune um, for today. So uh, the song is The Veronica's, If You Love Someone. And did either of you want to talk a little bit about why we chose this song? Yeah, so um, as mentioned before, you know, we have these huge big fundraisers here in Melbourne and um, the Veronica's are huge supporters of Sea Shepherd and actually performed at one of our fundraisers, donated their time. As I said, everyone who is part of these, you know, do it for free. So they went and performed for us and they've been big supporters. And in the film clip, you can actually see a Sea Shepherd flag and they actually filmed it down at Seaworks in Williamstown where our ships were docked um, while we were doing campaigns. So, yeah, it's an amazing tune and, yeah, they're really big supporters. So thank you, the Veronicas, for all your support over the years for Sea Shepherd. If you love someone... Up in the morning, take a breath and let it out. Just forget tomorrow's ever gonna come around. Everybody's medicating, taking time and waiting for the right time in the short life. But it's your life. We can run around in circles we make, or we can run straight ahead. Never ever let the moment pass by when all the matters in the end. If you
invisible to the one you want And you'd give anything to win their love We can get lost in fears that we make for days that feel black as night But there in the dark you find that the stars are shining their brightest light If you love Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children aged 3 and 4 can access 15 hours per week of free kinder. Kinder programs provide culturally safe places for children and families and are led by qualified teachers. Enroll for 2024. Speak with your preferred kinder service or local council today about how to register for a place. Corey Kids Shine at Kindergarten. Find out more at vic.gov.au forward slash kinder. Authorised by the Victorian Government Melbourne. A 3CR supporter. Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but Copower gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a Copower member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and Copower today and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. Okay, welcome back to Freedom Species. And today we're talking to Del and Lucas from Sea Shepherd. And you just heard the Veronica's uh, If You Love Someone. The next question is, uh, how, do you, how did the pandemic impact Sea Shepherd's work? Yeah, so for us, um, I mean, for a local level, it was very very hard I mean, especially here in Melbourne obviously we had lockdowns and stuff so it was you know quite we took us a little while to get back out there you know doing beach cleans and you know festivals and stuff again um but we you know still tried to do as much outreach as we could um and keep together um from a from a chapter point of view um and in in terms of campaigns and stuff um we some of our ships obviously got stuck in dock because we couldn't travel and that sort of thing but it was a good time for us to do a lot of work and maintenance on our ships so, and that, you know, and it was kind of good. I mean, we've, a lot of people who come back from a lot of the campaigns have said since, you know, the pandemic, it seems like a lot of, there's been a lot less um, 
actual, you know, illegal fishing going on. It's almost like they kind of gave up or because Sea Shepherd were there for so long and stuff, they're like, oh, we're not going to bother even going out anymore. Yeah, for sure. A lot of the African campaigns now they're seeing like, yeah, as soon as the word gets out that Sea Shepherd's around, they will more or less cease their activities, you know, which means they're probably moving on to elsewhere, but it means that hopefully we can grow and expand this model so we are covering more and more areas so that they know we're left to hide. Um, we actually had a lot of volunteers sign up during um, COVID because, like, they had a lot more time at home to actually sort of do some research, you know, see Spiracy inspired a lot of our new volunteers um, people watched Seaspiracy, which I highly recommend watching. Um, and we had like this huge influx of people joining up. So I think it actually, in some ways, it kind of was good that people had that time at home to kind of, you know, re- reset, think about what really matters, not sort of worry about the, you know, the, the usual humdrum of everyday life and actually think about, oh, okay, there's a lot of issues going on in the world right now. So, and I think in terms of our supporters, it actually was a good thing, you know, for us. Um, you know, we noticed definitely a lot of people signed up and, became interested in Sea Shepherd during COVID. And where can people find Seaspiracy if if they're interested in watching the documentary if they haven't seen it before? Is it available? I think it was on Netflix. I'm not sure. It definitely was on Netflix for a while there, but it's yeah, definitely worth watching. Um if, you know, there's a whole bunch of, you know, really good documentaries that I can recommend. You know, Seaspiracy is obviously a really good one. Um, defend, conserve, protect. That's actually was filmed, you know, when um, Operation Zero Tolerance, when I signed up back in 2013. Um, I believe it is on Netflix. Oh, it is on Netflix. Yeah. Um, Blackfish is a really good documentary. It shows the Taji campaign. Um, i trying to think of others. Some really good other. What are some other? The Cove. The Cove is really good. Yeah. Um, that one the three of us watched at one of the film festivals that was about the Malago campaign. Yes, I'm not sure what that title was, that one. Um, Sorry. We'll pop it in the show notes anyway once we remember. I mean, it was an extremely distressing um, documentary but really, really important. Yeah. I believe Leonardo DiCaprio was involved in that one. Yeah, he was the producer of that particular campaign. Sea of Shadows. Sea of Shadows, that's the one. Fantastic. All right. Yeah, as I said, we'll pop all of this on the 3CR Freedom Species uh, website. So if people are interested, they can uh, visit there and and grab the links and names of of the shows that we're recommending. Um, Yeah. What do you think the future of Sea Shepherd is? What's the direction? Um, Yeah. Can you provide us with any insights about what you think um, this organisation might do in the future? Well, I mean, you know, climate change is a big big part of our policy and that sort of thing, as well as plastic pollution. So we're doing a lot more, um, aside from our monthly cleanups, which anyone can go along to, by the way, um, we're also doing a lot more um, rural cleanups. So going into sort of regional areas of Australia and doing a lot more remote cleanups and stuff. So, for example, we're doing a, we're going back to Julepan um, and working with Indigenous rangers there in northeast Arnhem Land in Northern Ter- Territory, so doing some work there. So I think a lot more of those opportunities to sort of get out into the, the remote areas and doing a lot more work there. I think more partnerships, more government partnerships is definitely on the cards for Sea Shepherd, which has just been amazing because we've been able to help, as Lucas mentioned earlier, a lot of these poorer countries who would not necessarily be able to have, you know, the resources to be able to patrol their own waters and see what's going on with you know, the fishing industry and being able to regulate. So I think a lot more of those sort of 
And I'm secretly hoping um, that we do a lot more things here in Australia and even locally, you know, in Southeast Asia, a lot more campaigns and that we get a ship back down to Melbourne at some point because having a ship here was just amazing for outreach and, you know, really show showing what Sea Shipper can do and giving our, you know, supporters the opportunity, you know, to see, you know, what what work we're doing and um, that sort of thing. So we're, we're really hoping there'll be a lot more um, local campaigns in the future. Yeah, I remember when I first joined, we only ever did the Taji campaign, which was obviously in Japan, and then the campaigns in the Southern Ocean. And now we do so many campaigns, it's impossible to keep up, really. Like, I honestly, I have to read the news every other day because, you know, it's just there's just so much happening. You know, we're doing things in the Mediterranean with Operation CISO, you know, and last year they were able to get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, uh, you know, um, octopus uh, traps removed from the Mediterranean and, it's just things happening all the time. It's just if you if you drew a map of the world of where Sea Shepherd campaigns have happened or are about to, or, or have taken place or will take place, it's like there's 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 hardly anywhere there hasn't been one or will be one. So we're only going to keep growing. Mm. And like as I said, we're hoping to do a lot more local campaigns. Like um, you know, we've done obviously campaigns in the Great Australian Bight and you know um, up in the Great Barrier Reef and that sort of thing but there's definitely a lot of work to be done even in our own shores here in Australia so watch this space. And yeah as you said Del hopefully one day the Melbourne chapter will get a ship back. I mean I remember um, at one point there were like four ships there was the Bridget, the Sam, the Bob and the Steve were all docked at Williamstown and and it was just such a great opportunity um, to invite the public down to see the ships and to to it's it just it makes the work that Sea Shepherd does so much more concrete. Absolutely, um, and you know, a few years ago we had the Ocean Warrior, which was you know a brand new purpose built ship um, that we we actually um, was by the Dutch Lottery. We bought um, using the funds from that, and we had that um, for one weekend. And oh my god, I think we did eleven hour days. The chapter just because so many people were so excited to come and see our brand new ship. Um, yeah, and people were waiting it. about three hours just to have a tour of the ship that went for about 15 minutes, I think. So it's like, yeah, people are really passionate, particularly in Melbourne, you know. Um, we have we have the best supporters imaginable. So, yeah, I think it would be amazing if we could get the ship back down here. Yeah, whether it's, you know, we, we've also, you know, had our ships docked in Docklands in the past as well. Um going to so. mention the Docklands here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was you pretty remember that, remember that day, come, come down. Um, oh, I can't remember the name, Latrobe Street, and you could see the Sea Shepherd ships at, at the end in the Docklands. It was a really great draw card for for visitors. Um, how? Yeah, could, it's. Oh, sorry. No, you go. It was just. I was just thinking. I was just remembering all the times when people literally just walking by and just be like you know, yelling out to the crew that you guys are heroes and, you know, yeah. just, it was just, yeah, such a such a nice feel, such a nice feeling and nice atmosphere to be around that and that positivity and just people really, you know, passionate about what Sea Shepherd were doing. And so how can people get involved in Sea Shepherd if they're interested? Well, I was thinking a lot about this because obviously, you know, being an onshore volunteer is an amazing opportunity to get involved, you know, and, you know, doing outreach and things like, you know, we do. But if you don't have the time to do that, we have monthly beach cleans in Melbourne and Mornington and we're hoping to expand soon um, down the surf coast as well, so Geelong area. Um, 
as well as all over Australia. So, you know, if you, you know, you've got a spare hour on a weekend, you know, keep an eye on our marine debris page to see where the next cleanup is. Great opportunity for kids to get involved as well. We also do school talks and that sort of thing. So, you know, if you want um, somebody to come and do a school talk at your school, um, that's always a uh, great opportunity. But even, you know, just if you can't, don't have the time to sign up, just being a supporter, you know, um, being a direct um, action crew, which is, you know, our monthly giving program, if you have if you have the opportunity to do that, buying our merchandise, you know, it's all all this, all the proceeds go to Sea Shepherd, you know, fueling our ships and keeping our ships out, doing what we, you know, should be doing, but add on campaign and that sort of thing. So Sea Shepherd doesn't receive any government funding. So any, you know, support goes straight to our ships um, in terms of, you know, seeing what we can do. And we now have charity status, which is amazing. So all donations are tax deductible as well. So plenty of opportunities to get involved, even if you don't have the time to be an onshore volunteer like us. And with the outreach talks, are they only for schools or they can go to other organisations, universities, places like that? Um, everything. So we've done probus clubs, we've done universities, we've even done, you know, childcare centres. Like doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're always happy to sort of go out. You know, we can tailor our talks to suit the, the demographic, um, what your needs are and that sort of thing. Um, so just get in touch, get us along, doesn't cost anything. It's just, you know, an amazing opportunity to hear what we do, hear about Sea Shepherd and hopefully inspire some um, other people to um, get involved and hear all about what we do. Um, okay. Well, I just wanted to thank you both so much uh, for joining us today. It's been a really inspirational conversation and after 10 years of being your friends, I've actually learned new things about you and your lives and your involvement in Sea Shepherd. Uh, so, yeah, it's been wonderful. Um, as I said before, we'll share links on the show website, so um, the 3CR Freedom of Species website, uh, to any of the information that we've mentioned today um, and any extra sort of programs that um, Del and Lucas and I come up with. Um, in, in the meantime, um, thanks so much, listeners. Um, if you have any feedback on the show, please feel free to, free to email us at freedomofspecies at gmail.com. Uh, we air on 3CR every Sunday from 1pm to 2pm. Um, tune in on 855 in Melbourne. Um, we're also streamed live via the 3CR website, which is 3cr.org.au, and all previous episodes are available uh, via the, our page on the 3CR website as well as on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, we're going to go out with the last song, which is Aurora's The Seed. Um, I chose this one, um, and I think if you listen closely to the the chorus of, of the song, it'll be really evident why, why I chose this particular song, and it has an incredible message. Just like the seed, I don't know where to go. Through dirt and shadow I grow. I'm reaching light through the struggle Just like the sea I'm chasing the wonder I unravel myself All in slow motion You cannot eat when you
suffocate me So my tears can be rain I will water the ground where I stand So the flowers can grow back again Cause just like the seed Everything wants to land We are burning our fingers But we learn and listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.